I am truly excited about this new series that we're starting today. It's called New Beginnings, Life in the Spirit. And nothing has more potential to transform us from the inside out than understanding the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and His role in each of our daily lives. We've offered a series about living in the Holy Spirit every three or four years ever since New Life started. And that's because whether you grew up as a part of a church or not, it's likely that you haven't heard about the Holy Spirit's importance in empowering you for living the new life Jesus came to provide us. All the way back at the beginning of church history, when the Apostle Paul was traveling throughout the known world of his day, telling people about the new life in Jesus Christ, um, he came upon a group of believers who had never heard about the Holy Spirit. When he asked them if they understood the Holy Spirit's role in their lives, they didn't have a clue. Before we look at that passage of Scripture, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you love us so much that you sent Jesus into the world to redeem us, to free us, set us free from sin and death. And we thank you that when he returned to be with you, he sent your Holy Spirit to live inside of us so we can be connected to you, so we can live in your grace, truth, and power. We ask today that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide us as we work our way through uh, these scriptures that say so much about him. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So we read, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience? He asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. I titled our message, The Holy Who, because throughout church history, believers have struggled with who the Holy Spirit is and his role in their lives. In Paul's day, it was actually possible to believe in Jesus, but not even know about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to those 12 believers when Paul laid his hands on them and were told that they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. Well, that incident raises some questions, doesn't it? Actually, probably a lot of questions, but we're going to just address a few. Let's start with this question. Didn't the believers receive the Holy Spirit when they believed? That was Paul's question to them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no. They said they hadn't even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. But let's make one thing clear, very clear. We do receive the Holy Spirit when we believe because there is only one God, Father, Son, Jesus, and Holy Spirit. When a person is born again, to use Jesus' term for the transformation that happens when we transfer ownership of our lives to Jesus as Lord and as Savior, then we receive God. And because there is only one God, if we've been born again, if we've received God, we have received the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So here's another question. If the Ephesian believers already had the Holy Spirit but didn't know it, how did they receive him again when Paul laid his hands on them? So what happened when Paul laid his hands on those early believers is what has often been called in the early church being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The reason the early church called it that is because that's what Jesus called it. Here at New Life, we're committed to sharing, growing, and living the new life of Jesus Christ with what... The, with, with what the Bible teaches. We want people to understand there is a new life 
that we can live, that we can share, that we can grow. And, and we do that in connection with the teachings of God's Word in the Bible. The challenge is, when it comes to the Holy Spirit, Christians around the world have had two radically different understandings of the Holy Spirit, uh, and that has been even truer as we've moved farther and farther away from the first century church. As we'll see in these five weekends, the promise of the Holy Spirit comes... And then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then there's the filling of the Holy Spirit another time. And each of the times when these things happen, people's lives are changed. And, and they're changed in, in radical ways. Um, the empowering of the Holy Spirit was, empower, was accompanied with tongues, with healing, with, being, uh, with people having demons cast out of them. So here's one more question. Does the Holy Spirit work in the same ways today as he did back then? Now, the answer given by Christians around the world is a resounding yes, a resounding no, or sort of a muffled, let's not talk about that. Like, let's, let's leave that alone. We can look around our communities, and we can see churches where people speak in tongues during the worship services. We can look around the communities, and we see other churches where they believe that the, the Holy Spirit's work has ceased happening in the ways of these signs and wonders. We, we find that what they believe is that the Holy Spirit is more our conscience and he leads us and guides us to do the things um, that we learn in Scripture. In still other churches, we find that they never talk about the Holy Spirit or really don't, they don't talk about much of anything that could be possibly considered as divisive. But here at New Life, as we examine the Bible and consider our personal experiences, we recognize this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That includes God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That means you and I can be empowered by the Holy Spirit when we believe. We can be empowered by Him through baptism in the Holy Spirit and through the Spirit's ongoing filling in our lives. So in the next four weekends, we're going to look at scriptures from the book of Acts, from Luke, from 1 Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians, and they will focus on who the Holy Spirit is and what He does in our lives. Later in this series, we are going to take opportunities for you to have prayer to receive a deeper working of the Holy Spirit in your life. So today, let's start with Jesus' teaching on the Holy Spirit. Now, I've never taught, even though we've done this series, and these five messages are going to be basically the same as they were three years ago, six years ago, nine years ago, and so on, except for this one. This message is going to be very different because I'm going to focus on Jesus' teaching about the Holy Spirit. And the reason I've never included that in any of these message series in the past is, until recently, I never really realized how much Jesus spoke about the Holy Spirit. In fact, most of his instruction about the Holy Spirit is to do this. His purpose in teaching his disciples about our connection to God through the Holy Spirit was to bring unity or oneness with God and one another. Let me say that again. Jesus' purpose in teaching his disciples about our connection to God through the Holy Spirit was to bring unity or oneness with God and one another. So would any of you who are listening today, watching today, like to have more unity with God and one another through the Holy Spirit? I don't know about you, but I sure would. Jesus is going to tell us about this in the last chapters of the Gospel of John. John chapter 14 through 17, 14, 15, 16, 17. We're not going to go through all of those chapters, but we are going to go through a portion of each chapter. And what we're going to see is both who the Holy Spirit is, we're going to see that his purpose is to bring us into greater oneness with God the Father and with Jesus the Son. So before we do that, let's look at today's take-home point. 
And if you're new, the take-home point is the one point that I'm going to be making in this message from all these scriptures that we want to take home and live out in our week ahead because it's going to make a tangible difference in our lives. Here it is. Until we know who the Holy Spirit is, we will never experience the fullness of His presence and power. Until we know who the Holy Spirit is, we will never experience the fullness of His presence and power. That makes sense, right? I mean, the Ephesian believers that we read about didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So how could they have any experience of the Holy Spirit's presence and power? We're the same. We need to understand who He is and why Jesus sent Him to us in order to experience His presence and power in our lives. So in John 14, 6, Jesus said this. It's a very familiar verse. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Just a few verses later, Jesus added, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now, when Jesus told the disciples, you're going to do greater works than I did, I'll bet you they were saying, yeah, right. We have seen you heal sick people, cast demons out of people, walk on water, and even raise people from the dead. How are we going to do things greater than that? But Jesus was serious both for his disciples then and for us who are his disciples now. When Jesus told us, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. He gave us the key to those greater things that we're going to do. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would be our advocate. And that's so important because another word the devil has in Scripture is adversary. The devil's our adversary, but the Holy Spirit is our advocate before God the Father. He's never going to leave us, we're told. Jesus said he will never leave us. He's going to lead us into all truth, and he is going to be in us. As we'll see in these coming five weekends, as we look at the Scriptures that we are going to look at from Luke and Acts, from 1 Corinthians, Galatians, and Ephesians, we're going to see that all of that happened. Jesus died, He rose again, He returned to heaven, and He sent the Holy Spirit. And He did that not to a select few, but to every believer, and He's continued to do that for every believer right up into this very day. But that's getting ahead of the story. Let's turn to John 15, verses 1 to 11. So Pastor Barry preached about this message back in January. He focused on how we must remain or abide or stay connected to Jesus if we want to bear much fruit. What Pastor Barry's point was is that we must be connected to Jesus first before we concern ourselves with what we do. It's always more important for us to be connected to God and and to be connected to Jesus. And then out of that, we'll issue our actions. So how do we stay connected? Well, let's look at the passage. It says, I am the true grapevine, that's Jesus, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain or abide or stay connected to me, and I will do the same in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful 
unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be, you're, you will be filled with joy, my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. So if we're going to bear fruit, that is, if we're going to do things that matter for eternity, then here's the question. How do we remain? How do we abide? How do we stay connected to Jesus? If we can do nothing apart from Jesus, and let me, a brief aside here, we can do some things apart from Jesus. I mean, there are billions of people in the world who don't know Jesus as Savior and Lord, and they do hundreds of things every day. In fact, there was an Asian pastor, a Korean pastor, he came to the United States, and he pastored thousands of people in Korea. And so he was visiting a half dozen megachurches here in America, and afterwards they asked him what he noticed. And he, noted, he said, I noticed this. It's amazing what the American church can do without God. Do you see what he was saying? We can do a lot of things. We can do a lot of effective work in our lives, but it won't matter for eternity. We can get a lot of things done if we don't stay connected to Jesus, but we need to stay connected. So how do we do that? Well, we've already been told in chapter 14, but Jesus underlines it in chapter 16. Let's move there now. Jesus says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking me where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away, because if I don't, the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. Judgment will, become, will come because the ruler of this world, that is the devil, has already been judged. There is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. We could invest five weeks just in that passage alone. But here's the key. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, convicts the world of sin, of God's righteousness and his coming judgment. He guides us into all truth and he points us to Jesus. Now, you know, some churches focus on the Holy Spirit. They focus on his miracles, on the tongues, on everything about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit never did that and never does that. In fact, the Holy Spirit always focuses on Jesus. That's what Jesus said here at New Life. We believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the ongoing filling of the Holy Spirit are all part of a mature, spirit-led believer's life. But all that points us and those with whom we live, work, learn, and play to Jesus. Jesus is Lord and Savior of the world. So one final point that Jesus offers, it comes to us in John 17, and it's where Jesus prayed to his heavenly Father for us to be one 
as he and the Father were already one. It's about the unity and the oneness that Jesus basically lived, died, rose again, and sent the Holy Spirit so we could have. So why is it that Jesus tells us we have to be connected to him? It's because the only power source in our lives that matters for this life and eternity is him. If we're going to experience Jesus' abundant life, both here and now and for eternity, we must abide in him, we must stay connected to him, we must remain in him. So Jesus told us that that happens through the Holy Spirit. Here's how he put it. After saying all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you, for you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. I have revealed, that is manifested, made present in a real tangible way, you to the ones you gave me from this world. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. All who are mine belong to you, and you have given them to me, so they bring me glory. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Now protect them by the power of your name, so that they will be united, just as we are. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in you, us so that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Wow. Jesus prayed for God to keep us connected, to keep us as one, just as he and the Father are one. He he said that this prayer wasn't just for those disciples who were listening to the prayer then, but look what he said. It's for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you and me. Jesus was praying for us 2,000 years ago. And do you see what Jesus was saying? He was saying we must have perfect unity with him, with God the Father, with each other. And as we do that, the world will know that God loves us, that God the Father sent Jesus, and that the goal of his life is that we would experience his love and that we would experience Jesus. Now that's the goal of the Holy Spirit's presence and power in our lives, that he will bring us to oneness, that he will bring us to oneness, so the world will know God's love. Now, if Jesus hadn't said those words, I would say they're crazy. Wouldn't you? I mean, look around. Even in the church world, do you see much unity? But Jesus did say those words. Because Jesus said them, we know that they're true. And that means that we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we will have oneness with God the Father, with Jesus, and with each other. Imagine what it would be like If everyone associated with New Life Christian Ministries let the Holy Spirit lead us, overflow from us, from each of us to one another, that would result in unity. It actually would result in perfect unity. And that would let the world know that God is with us, 
that God loves us and ultimately that God loves them. And that is Jesus' plan. Back in January, it was actually on the 18th day of our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And the reason I know that is because I woke up that morning thinking about John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17. Because that afternoon, I was going to be talking about the Holy Spirit in the New Life Discipleship and Ministry Training class. And so as I sat in my study that morning, I prayed a simple prayer. It's a prayer that I pray pretty much every morning. And it's this, Jesus, I release every person and thing to you as if it were done. Jesus, I release every person and thing to you as if it were done. I learned that prayer from John Eldridge in his book, Get Your Life Back. And so I sat there and I went through my day. I, I thought about Nancy, my wife. I, I released her to God and Abby and Emmy, our daughters, and then our, our foster daughters, Teresa, Kina, Miko, Pastor Barry, the rest of the New Life staff. I literally went through the people that I was going to be seeing that day or thinking about that day. And then I went through my schedule. And I said, God, I release to you my meeting with Penn United today. I release to you the discipleship and training course. I release to you New Life News. I release to you the premarital session, uh, counseling session that I have. And I release all of you that to you as if it were already done. And as I sat there in that moment, I felt a oneness and a connection to God through the Holy Spirit that I'd never experienced before. I was experiencing the overflow that Jesus was talking about. Now, I still had everything on my agenda yet to do. I had a long day. It was probably about 5 o'clock in the morning, and my day was going to end at about 9 o'clock that night. And yet it was okay because I was with God or, or He was with me. We had that oneness connection. Now, as I was prayer walking later in the morning, the Holy Spirit impressed something else on my heart. He, he actually raised the question, and here it is. How can you live out of the overflow in your life if there is no overflow in your life? The short answer to that question is you can't. We can only live out of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our life if He's overflowing in our life. And there are no steps. I'm not going to give you three steps to have overflow in your life. It simply is connect with God in Jesus' name and the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit remain, abide, stay connected to you until we welcome the Holy Spirit in our lives, until we recognize He's so much more than the Holy Who, we're never going to have the kind of life that God created us to have. We're never going to live out that sense of God's presence and abiding and remaining with us. That's why this series is so important. You see, God is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. But the Holy Spirit is the one who brings us truth. Jesus said that. I didn't. He's the one who brings truth in our lives. And we live in a world of whatever. He's our advocate with the Father. When we're feeling beaten down, when we're feeling like the devil's getting the best of us, we have an advocate before the Father, the Holy Spirit. So he's the power to overcome whatever we face, whatever we're going through, whatever sorrow in our life right now. He is there to be with us, to abide, to remain inside of us and connect us to God the Father and the Holy Spirit. So if you want to have more of him in your life, then here's today's next step. I will welcome the Holy Spirit into my life this week. Every day when you wake up, say, come, Holy Spirit. Come into my life. Jesus, fill me with your Holy Spirit. There, there's no magic in the words. There's no magic in the prayer. Actually, it's simply a yielding of ourselves and asking the Holy Spirit to come. When Jesus said that we must abide in him and he told us that the Holy Spirit is the way that happens, he, he meant it. He meant for us to 
on a moment-by-moment basis to have the Holy Spirit leading and guiding in our lives. And so I urge you to join us for the rest of the messages in this series because we're going to talk more about practically how does that happen? How does the Holy Spirit come into our lives? How does He remain in our lives? How does the power of the Holy Spirit work in our lives? And if you'll be here, you are going to be given practical truths from God's Word about how to receive that and how to live that every single day. And that will literally change our lives as we live it out. Amen. If you've maybe felt the urging of the Holy Spirit as I was talking today, and maybe you didn't even know that that's what it was, the Holy Spirit first convicts the world of sin. That's what Jesus said in in the Gospel of John. He said that the Holy Spirit sort of taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, there's some things about you that need to change. He does it gently most of the time, sometimes maybe a little more aggressively, but he does that for our good. And what he's doing is he's pointing us to Jesus. Remember I said the Holy Spirit never points to himself. He always points us to Jesus. He points us out. We're sinners and we need Jesus. And so here at New Life, we talk about how important it is to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord and how simple it is. It's simple but not easy. We say it's as simple as A, B, C. A is admit that we're sinners. And that's what the Holy Spirit convicting of sin is to do. Not to make us condemned. The devil condemns us. The Holy Spirit convicts us. Convicts us so that we will have a new life in Jesus. So we admit our, our sin. And then we believe in Jesus. We believe that Jesus came to the earth as he said he did. To be the way, the truth, and the life. The way to the Father. God the Father. And so we believe that Jesus wasn't just a person that lived a couple thousand years ago. That said a, about a bunch of wonderful things but that he actually is God become human. And he did that so that we can know who God is and experience God. He came to be our Lord, which means master, and our Savior, which means rescuer from sin and death. So we believe that. And then we confess. We confess our sins to God, not just admit them to ourselves. We confess them to God so that God can take them away through the blood of Jesus. And then we confess to others that Jesus is Lord and Savior in our lives. And we do that in words, but preferably we do that equally as often through our lives, through our actions, by the Holy Spirit leading and guide us to do the things that God created us to do. If you'd like to do that, pray with me right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness and love. We thank you for sending Jesus, God in the flesh, a human being who is also you. And God, we thank you that Jesus taught us about your spirit. And not just taught us about your spirit, but demonstrated what it's like when the Holy Spirit lives inside of someone. God, we pray today, I pray for any person who has never trusted Jesus as Savior and Lord, that right now they would simply say, I admit to you I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus is Savior and Lord, that he is the one who came to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords, to conquer death by dying on the cross. And right now, I I confess that He is Lord and Savior, and I ask for the Holy Spirit to come in. And God, I ask that for any who are doing that for the very first time, but I ask that for all of us who are watching today, that if we know Jesus, Savior and Lord, that right now we would have a fresh outpouring of Your Holy Spirit. We know Your Word says that we need that. And so right now, fill us again to overflowing, that out of the overflow of our lives, with your Holy Spirit overflowing out of our lives. We will live your truth and love with everyone this week. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for worshiping with us today. Thank you for listening 
to the voice of God through his written word in John 14, 15, 16, and 17. But most importantly of all, I pray that you'll let the Holy Spirit work in your life this week as I pray I'll let him work in my life this week so we can actually experience the presence and power of God in us and that we can become more one with God and more one with each other. Have a blessed week. We hope to see you again soon.